Welcome to the Life Giver Marriage Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope for your military or first responder marriage. This is your host, Corey Weathers, and I'm honored to share this journey with you. Hi, this is Dr. John Townsend, and you're listening to Life Giver. Hi, this is Taya Kyle, and you're listening to Life Giver. Hey, this is Dr. Les Parrott, author of Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts, and you're listening to Life Giver. Welcome to another episode of the Life Gear Podcast. This is Corey Weathers. This is actually take two of the introduction because I completely butchered it the first time. I am pleased to introduce you guys to Joshua and Christy Straub. They have an amazing podcast that I'm excited to share with you guys called In This Together, where they tackle issues of marriage and parenting. Um, I feel like I know them so well already because they're putting out amazing podcasts on how to encourage better parenting, especially if you have young kids. But even more than that, talking about emotional safety, talking about how marriage and how our relationship with our spouse makes such a huge impact on our parenting and on our children, and they have a ton of amazing resources to share with you as well on how you can take your parenting and your marriage to a completely different level. Um, To tell you a little bit more about them, um, Joshua travels and speaks to a lot of military groups, and he's going to share with you a little bit about how you can um, really influence your marriage and parenting. So Joshua and Christy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. It's an honor to be with you. Okay, so I have to share that um, Joshua and Christy had Matt and I on their podcast, which we will share with you guys as well. But um, Christy wasn't able to be with us on that day. So Christy, it's awesome to meet you and talk with you as well. I missed you in that last recording. I know. We have to stick together, right? Us girls, us wives, yes. us moms. <laughs> and don't you Sorry, find I missed it. Don't you find when your spouse is not there, like it just something's not quite right. And so I feel like the three of us meet meeting now without Matt here. I feel like he's like being left out somehow. Um, I know I miss him. I'm, I would love to be talking to him. I know it's so hard to get everybody together. I feel like if we went on a couple date, like we would all get along. Do you know what I'm saying? Totally. Yeah. Like a double date. That yes. would be Josh said that was his, his feet. Like he was like, I just like them so much. He's like, Christy, I know you'll love them. Yeah. Like, they're just, there are people is what he said. Well, it's really, I mean, that really is how it is. Like when you're trying to develop friendships with people, especially couple friendships, that's a lot it's really challenging it's really like dating it is it is but there's an added dynamic because it's just it's to more people (laughs) it is well I'm gonna do to you guys what Joshua did to us which is I know you guys like to have couples introduce each other and that's (laughs) something that Matt and I also love to do at least for each other when we're out and about so how about you guys introduce each other to those that are listening Corey, can I tell you, we have had people do this on our podcast for three seasons now, and we have never had anyone ask us really? to do it, and now I know how they feel. Oh, the pressure is on, because yeah. now you've had so much experience listening. Either that, it's, it's a lot of pressure. But they're amazing. You learn so much about someone through the eyes of their spouse. It's true. You know? So, okay. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to start? Ladies, go first. Oh, thank you, sweetheart. Okay, so this is Josh. Josh is one of the kindest, most genuine, humble, um, wise men I have ever known. 
Um, he leads our family with such integrity and passion. And um, he's from Pennsylvania. He grew up like in the middle of nowhere, basically. Um, and as is like a relatively acclimated city girl, it's it was a it was a mm, that was interesting for me. Um, he. He has, um, he went through school and seminary and counseling, so that's his background, and um, he works now primarily with families, um, military actually is really one of the main populations, and um, I think his heart really is to see people um, experience, experience God, but also with relationships and authenticity and vulnerability and um set people free, really, um, to love one another, to lead well, um, and to live with integrity. And I I just, I don't, I don't know how to, I just like him so much. Like we get to work together. We obviously do life together as well, but I just, um, he's my best friend and I'm so proud of him. Whoa, Josh, the pressure is on. Corey, would you do us a favor? Could you call us every day and have us introduce <laughs> each other just over the phone? We don't have to record it, but man. <laughs> it's good to hear. That was really cool. Thank you, sweetie. Well, um, you know, th- there's absolutely no way that I could be doing what I do today and be the man that I am without Christy. And so um, those were very kind things that you said. I think those are um, somewhat exaggerated uh, <laughs> things that you said. Uh, cause I realized that I'm not that good. Um, but I definitely, I, I mean, truly, I mean this Christy is, um, unbelievably compassionate. Um, she has a heart for people the way she's, she's incredibly teachable. That's what I love about her. She, the way she, um, continues to grow, uh, in her faith, the way she continues to grow as a person, on all levels. Um, I have never seen anybody so disciplined as she is, whether it's with her um, health, her physical health, whether it's with her emotional health, whether it's with her um, spiritual growth. Um, she has she has such discipline. And I know that the one thing I don't do is uh, I take you for granted a lot. I don't really do a good job of, of praising you the way that I should in those areas. But um, to watch her get on the level of our kids and to watch her connect with our kids at a heart level uh, has been just a joy to sit back and watch and to see the inner child in her come out. So um, so she is um, spiritually more mature than me. She's emotionally more mature than me. She is, um, she's just, she's a gem. And so um, a little bit more of the demographic, she's Canadian, um, not anymore, now she's American because she married I'm, me. I'm both. You're I'm both. Dual. You're dual. So uh, from Canada, from the Great White North, and uh, we met in college, in grad school. She was um, studying to be a counselor and then realized that uh, that wasn't her cup of tea. So I um, met her between two master's degrees, between uh, a, a master's degree in counseling and a master's degree later in, in business administration. So she's very well educated, very driven, and very discerning as well. I could go on, but I don't want to take the whole time talking about my wife. <laughs> so I was actually thinking about what you were saying about hearing from your spouse and hearing that praise and hearing 
what feels like an exaggerated description. But what's Mm. amazing is that when your spouse says it, it's not exaggerated to them. Mm. And maybe that's a good place for us to be in marriage, right? To, I mean, to have that humble perspective of ourselves, but to realize that our spouse genuinely sees us that way. And isn't that like freeing somehow that, you know, even though I think we, especially, and I'll talk to the women, like as moms, as wives, I feel like we cover ourselves in shame and we stay there for mm-hmm. far too long. And we think, you know, the the tape running in our head is everything we've done wrong and the mistakes when we yelled, when we slammed a door, when we snapped back at our spouse or our kids. And, and we just, we stay stuck in that place of shame, I think. And um, how quickly like our kids are to forgive us. But I think also our spouse more so than we think um, mm-hmm. that they've moved on and we still stay stuck there as if this is something, you know, we need to pay penance for, you know, continually. And maybe they don't really see us in that light as much as we think they do. Yeah. And I know that you've been listening or I know you've been reading Brene Brown's books, or at least you have mm-hmm. in the past year. Mm-hmm. And that is a whole other perspective, isn't it? On shame and what we think of ourselves and, um, that wonderful yes. first draft that she talks about. <laughs> yes. And it's powerful. Like it's, it, it just, it shifts something in you. So I want to ask you something on that because your husband just said that you were in, you were going in a direction of counseling and then realized mm-hmm. that that was not the direction for you to go. And instead you went in business. You know, I think a lot of times we think we should go in a certain direction and we think that we should, mm-hmm. um, even the way you were just saying, the way that we should believe about ourselves, the way we think about ourselves and we feel wrong somehow, like we're supposed to think this way. And I, yeah, I know when I was in seminary, I actually felt like I needed to get this master of divinity and mm. I was taking all these classes. My husband was like doing awesome in the classes, like Hebrew and Greek. And he's, you know, they're having these philosophical discussions on whether God is a he or a she. And I just was in pain. Like I just, it was horrible. <laughs> it was so horrible. And I, but I thought that's what I was supposed to do. I thought that's what, you know, that's just the track you're supposed to go down. And then I took a shift too. I just said, you yeah. know what, this is, God has not called me to that. Yeah. And I took a radical shift and just said, I'm, I'm abandoning this master of divinity direction and said, I went the counseling route and you went the counseling route and went to business instead. And I know there's a lot of military spouses that are listening, um, specifically military spouses, because they have such a desire for a career. They have such a desire to have purpose. And mm-hmm. it's so easy for us to want to go down one direction, one path and think that's what we should do. Cause that's what everybody thinks I should do or, yeah. or whatever those tapes are in our mind. Yeah. Um, and that it's okay to adjust course. Yes. And, and I think exactly what you're saying, Corey, I think I think it's learning to trust who God made us to be, mm-hmm. right? We we are so are accustomed to, I mean, if you think about even the education system, right? We're making our kids sit in their seats. It's like, stay in your box. Here's the box we have for you. You stay in your box. And this is the process to, to get out of these boxes, you know, to graduate school. Then we move on to high school. Then we move, then we move on to college. And you, you know, it's, it's like, we've set them on this course and it's, they don't really get a say, right? They just, they listen and they obey. Um, and that's not to, to discount discipline, um, respect, <laughs> obviously there are roles and seasons where we are, are called to that. But I think what I, um, experienced, and I think it's what I hear in you too, 
it's like you, it's that dissonance in yourself where you feel like this is just what, what I found it. I found it interesting, but I didn't feel like I was called to this. I wasn't made for this. And I, I, in my story, I mean, I, I did work as a cognitive behavioral therapist. Um, and I worked in a, with a chronic pain population and it was just, it was so hard for me. Like the burnout rate, I think was like 18 months in my field. Um, which is incredibly um, high, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I I just realized I, I couldn't separate it for me. Um, I loved the area. I loved the information. I loved the learning. And I just didn't know how, I didn't know how to go home and leave it. I didn't know how to leave the people. Um, and so I realized like the Lord made me too sensitive for that. I, I There was a sensitivity in my spirit that I needed to tend to and not ignore. Um, I, I can't beat that out of me. And so I realized I just, there was a desire to be in, in that field, but I realized I think there was a, a different way I was supposed to be in it. And that's why I pivoted toward business. And that was, you know, something in my family that I've always um, been around and interested in. And that's helped me. Um, I think what we do now though, has become like a really sweet balance of it all where we get to walk alongside families and, and, you know, moms, dads, husbands, wives, (laughs) single people. Um, but it's, it's from a sweet, like a a sort of a position of exhortation Mm -hmm. and encouragement versus like the heavy stuff of, you know, deep counseling. Um, but I think that's where it's it's listening to the Lord and his calling on your life and and to to trust that if you can't find a path that you seem to suit, like it just it just doesn't feel right. I would challenge you that maybe it's because it's a path that hasn't been walked yet. And mm. maybe you're the first one to do it. I love that. I love that. And just to bring it even full circle is that if if those that are listening, if your spouse is saying kind things about you and, and it feels exaggerated, that um, mm. maybe we can hear the voice of God in our spouse, that mm. he's calling us to a deeper understanding and a deeper view of ourselves that's a little bit more truthful than maybe what we're saying to ourselves. So Amen. just a thought on that. Yeah. Um, so I have to tell you guys how I found you, actually. Um, and this, okay. this ties us into the topic that I wanted to talk with you guys about because um, obviously military families, first responder families, a big topic that you guys see every single day is the topic of parenting and um, how challenging it really is to parent. And um, as you guys know, the military community and and the first responder community has a unique, maybe not completely different, but a unique set of circumstances or variables in their lifestyle and in their parenting. And mm-hmm. I actually found you guys because I we had just moved. We moved to South Carolina about two months ago now. And this is our fifth, no, I'm sorry, our sixth move in the military. And my 10-year-old is in fifth grade, and this is his fifth elementary school. Wow. And my son, who's 13, it's his eighth He's in eighth grade and he's in his eighth school. And I heard in one of your other podcasts on the top 10 issues that parents were bringing to you saying these are topic top issues. And you guys were talking about one of those episodes. You're talking about how challenging it can be to parent two different kinds of kids at the same time. And I have one child who is that people pleaser, and I've got my 10-year-old who um, has a whole other set of challenges. He is not the people pleaser. And um, 
we've just really struggled with, my 10 year old has actually struggled from school to school, trying to figure out how to integrate into the school system, how to um, bring his style of learning and trying to match that with teachers and all that. And I actually was at my own point of frustration of knowing how do I parent my child who is 10 years old, who is struggling with all of these issues of moving and friends and integrating into a whole different academic environment. And um, we were talking even before we started recording about how even just school in general is so different from the way that we grew up. And so I did a podcast search and I was, I don't even remember what I searched, but I was in like this desperate mom place of like, I think Mm -hmm. I, I think I did a search of how to parent a strong-willed child, (laughs) something like that. Mm -hmm. And I found um, Josh on a different podcast. And when he said that he had been speaking to military families, I was like, I've got to talk to you guys. So um, you guys have a lot to offer. You are doing, um, I'd love for you guys to talk about the 22-6 parenting that you guys are doing. Josh, you have authored a book called Safe House where you really talk about um, emotional safety and parenting. So I'd love for you guys to share just a little bit of um, maybe just a highlight of your story of how you got to this place where you were passionate about parenting and marriage. Yeah, so... My background is counseling, so I have my uh, doctorate in counseling, and my my experience has been working with juvenile delinquents and troubled families. And so, you know, early on, I I, would, I did my doctoral dissertation, and my and my research, my educational research, was in the area of attachment. And so, I would use this this um, this you know uh, really this approach to counseling in my own with my own clients. And, uh, and, and it was amazing. I, I studied it. It was research-based. And so I just did it, and, and I loved it. Well, I had never really made the connection because years later I get married to Christy, and things were going pretty well. We were a little bit later when we got married. I was 30, and, uh, and so, um, you know, a couple years later we, we have kids, and nothing challenged me more than having children in my life like it challenged our marriage it, it, uh, and and to say that we had v- Christy had very difficult pregnancies we had very very difficult babies um, with uh, different types of things from colic to acid reflux to not sleeping stomach allergies um, Christy had trouble breastfeeding I mean it was it was a it was a very difficult journey for us early on and and I kept looking back going man like if this is this hard for us like And then you have all the expert, quote unquote, experts trying to tell you certain things to do um, to get you to buy their products or to get you to like, you know, you know, get their get their thing. And and I was like, this has got to be easier than this. Like, here's how I've been working with families over the years. And now here I am. What is it that, you know, I decided in those early rough years to say, what what does the end look like? Because we live in an instant gratification culture that says, you know, we have to be fixed today. And like, even with you, you know, the, the, the struggle you're going through with your boys, especially with the moving is, you know, it's like, man, how can we, how can we get them to just enjoy school today? And then they'll just enjoy it. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is, you know, life is a journey, um, growing emotional health, uh, spiritual growth. It's all a journey. And, um, I think sometimes as parents, we we live in such an instant gratification culture that we think, oh, well, if, our, if my kid isn't behaving today, then I'm doing something wrong. And so I look, I took a step back from a from keeping the end in mind perspective and saying, what what types of kids do I really want to raise? What do I what character traits do I want them to have when I launch them out of the house one day? And 
when I went back and looked at the research, every single outcome we look for in our kids, um, whether it's, um, you know, getting married and staying married and, and enjoying their marriage, whether it's finding a career that they love and sticking to it and loving it, whether it's uh, even, you know, good grades to um, athletic success, all these things, um, you know, uh, or extracurricular success, all of these things pointed back to emotional safety in the home. And, you know, when I started speaking to military families about emotional safety, it was kind of like, I was, I was pretty nervous about it because, you know, the, the very, um, the very trait that uh, soldiers need to to survive um, on the battlefield is to shut down their emotions. Right. Those are the very things they need to survive when they come back home. And so this idea of emotional safety actually, and, and, and I'll, I'll use it interchangeably with building emotional intelligence, um, it really is the core, and this is why it's resonated so much with military families, is that it's really the hub of the wheel. So for instance, as you talk about your boys, the hub of the wheel really comes down to our, our do our kids feel safe? Do our kids feel safe enough to be able to have conversation with us as parents uh, in their anxiety, in their frustrations, when they're misbehaving? What's going on underneath that we can get to that really connects with them at the heart? Not that the behavior, misbehavior is appropriate, but over time, when we win their hearts, we can influence their behavior. And so you look as emotional safety as the hub of that wheel moving and having constant moves and changing schools becomes a spoke on that wheel. Uh, we get a lot of parents talking about asking about technology and technology limits in the home. That becomes a spoke in the wheel. We get parents who say, I caught my son or daughter looking at pornography. That becomes a spoke in the wheel. It, it doesn't matter what the issue is. At the hub of the wheel should always be this sense that we are emotionally safe with our kids. And so that's really the core of what we talk about. It's really the core of, of everything that we do. And, and that's where, where the book Safe House comes from. And so everything that we've created from that 22-6 parenting, all those types of things, really comes from the idea of let's be let's make sure that we're being the adults that we want our kids to grow up to be. Well, and I love also one of the video, I mean, I know you've probably mentioned this several times throughout the podcast and videos that you're doing, um, but you keep, you guys do a great job of bringing this back to the marriage too, that a lot of good, successful parenting comes from what that your children are seeing in your marriage and in your relationship with your spouse. Absolutely. And, and, and again, this is where the emotional safety, emotional intelligence thing plays a, a factor in every relationship that we have. Um, research shows that, <laughs> so you want to talk about emotional safety. There was one research study done that looked at, it was a meta-analysis. So it looked at a number of different studies and it brought them together. And it looked at what are the top 10 parenting strategies to get the best outcomes we're looking for in our kids. And, and the top three this is going to shock a lot of people. The top three, the parenting experts, quote unquote, didn't even guess the right ones. They, like they asked them before the study, what do you think the top 10 will be? And, and they didn't get it right. The top three, which are fascinating, number one is love and affection. Uh, love and affection is the single biggest parenting strategy to get the outcomes we're looking for in our kids. I equate it to emotional safety. It's really, are we safe? Are, are we creating that sense of love and affection with our kids? Here's what's fascinating. Number two is a parent's ability to manage their own stress. A hmm. parent's ability to manage their own stress. like. Isn't that powerful? The so second powerful. greatest parenting strategy is our ability to manage our own stress. And number three is how you treat your spouse or how you treat the co-parent in a divorce situation. 
So arguably, the top three have nothing to do with how we interact with our kids. They have everything to do with who we are as adults. How are we managing our stress? Are we a loving person? Are we growing into being a loving person towards our kids? And how do we treat our spouse? It, at the end of the day, as you mentioned Brene Brown, she talks about in her books over and over and over again that who we are as a, as a parent and, and who we are becoming are much stronger predictors of how our kids will turn out than what we know about parenting. So for us to move forward and talk about emotional safety with parenting and emotional safety in our marriage, can you give us a definition of what is emotional safety? Yeah, I describe it uh, that it's the posture from which we parent, not the techniques that matters most. Um, I use an example of, uh, well, well, for instance, uh, a, a great example would be, um, you know, if Christy and I at the end of the day, uh, f- from the marital perspective, if Christy and I at the end of the day, you know, it's so easy to 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 get short with your spouse, um, especially if she's wanting to to have a lot of words. Um, and, 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 and I'm, in, and I'm in work mode and I get frustrated. So I'm short with her. This well, is like a hypothetical. This example. is totally, totally hypothetical. This never happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, totally. Or another example would be to flip that would be, um, when Christy comes to me and tells me something she's struggling with. And this is a recent example where I looked at her and I was like, yeah, I don't really struggle with that. That was literally his response. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, he's like, that's not an issue for me. I think I've I'm gotten like, that response from Matt as well. And I'm like, um, pardon? I don't, are, are we talking about you? No, I'm talking about me. And that doesn't make me feel any better. Yeah. So, so, you know, rather than, rather than, and, and I talk about the posture from which we parent, but I, or, and, or the posture from which we approach our spouse. Um, the phrase that I use to, to describe this is really the golden rule, treat others as you want to be treated or do unto others as you would have them do unto you, but replace the word do with the word understand. Mm-hmm. So in order to be understood as a parent, in order to be understood as a spouse, we must first understand. In order to be understood, we must first understand. This is really the core of, of, of what it looks like to be safe. So for me with Christy to be able to say, you know, um, wow, that's difficult. Like, tell me about that. Like, not in a sarcastic way, but in a very caring, compassionate way to say, well, how, how have you, how have you um, discovered this? And and how, how has it been, you know, um, how, how have you seen it manifest in your life? Like to, to be able to just meet with her in her in what she's struggling with and to get into that and not make it about me to not, um, you know, minimize it to not be like, oh, it's just, you know, come on. It's, you know, I think it was sugar. Right. You know, it's like this, you know, well, it's just sugar. Come on. Like, you know, um, you know, those types of things, it, it, you know, a lot of times what we'll do is we'll, we'll parent from a posture of punishing our kids' negative emotions we'll, we'll, or, or, or punish our, our spouse. Um, we, po- we, we, pa- or we parent or, or connect with our spouse by minimizing uh, their negative emotion uh, or dismissing it altogether like I did with Christy and just dismissing it. Um, the, the, the posture of emotional safety is the ability to be able to seek to understand what's really going on in the heart of, of our child and our spouse, whether it's a misbehavior. Because uh, a lot of times what we'll do as parents is we'll punish the misbehavior right away because, oh my goodness, if my kids aren't listening or if they're misbehaving, uh, they gotta listen to me. It becomes about, we make it about us as parents. When the reality is there's probably something going on underneath that 
that was the cause or the motivating factor behind why our kids acted the way that they did. Mm -hmm. And if we're not really connecting with that first, uh, what ends up happening is, is, and there's a lot of neuroscience behind this that I described in, in, in Safe House. Um, if we don't first calm their fight or flight, it's really the fight or flight response in military, it's very common to understand that. It's their fight or flight is going off and they're not thinking straight. And our ability as parents to be able to calm our kids' brains and to see what's really happening will then enable them to think straight as it relates to how to behave better the next time or what to do right the next time. Whereas if we're trying to lecture them in their in their overwhelmingness, in their fight or flight, they can't hear it because they can't think straight. This is so important. I think what you're saying for both marriage and parenting, um, we've been talking a lot on the podcast and uh, on this lifestyle of military and first responders, especially if the serving spouse has gone through something traumatic or something life-changing, not to say that the supporting spouse doesn't go through life-changing things as well, but that we can um, experience this great divide between the two because it's so hard to understand and fathom what the other person has gone through, especially uh, military if your serving spouse experienced something significant overseas and you weren't even really part of their life for that that time it's not like they came home that night and you know were able to have that emotional reaction and tell you what happened and you be that supportive person um that we see a, a huge divide that happens between these couples where um there does become this minimizing or dismissing or competing of you know my experience um was more or less you know more severe than yours and um this this fighting mm -hmm. for understanding like i mm -hmm. you know when you say it's about being able to express that at least I desire to understand you and that we don't have to necessarily completely fully, um, we, we don't have to necessarily know exactly what it's like for them to feel that, go through that. It's really about expressing the desire to, you matter to me and I want to understand you as best as I can understand you, even if that just means that I sit and listen and ask good questions or be present for you. Does that make any sense? Oh, I think that's exactly it. I mean, I think it is, I think as human beings, our great, one of our greatest desires is just to be heard. Mm -hmm. We just need to be heard and we just need to know that someone cares enough to listen, not to fix it, not to answer, not to even provide, you know, wisdom or, or guidance or suggestions, but someone just cares to listen. I think as a parent, that is one of the greatest gifts we can give our children. And as a spouse, that is probably the greatest, um, the most loving act we can give our spouse. Um, and exactly what you said, Court, I don't think, because I don't think we will ever fully understand. We can never fully step into the shoes of another person, even if we live or walk, you know, a similar road to them. But but we, it's it's that earnest desire that I, I truly desire to understand and I care mm -hmm. and I leave it right. And I leave it there. And mm -hmm. I think, I think for the, um, especially when we're walking through hard things, um, I think we often shut down because we don't, we don't want to walk the road with them. We don't want to feel with them. We don't want to feel the hard things. I mean, we avoid pain really. Um, but I think this is what's shifted, at least for me, is the sense of, I don't need to fix it. I don't need to fix the pain. I don't need to take the pain away. I just need to sit with them. And somehow taking that pressure off yourself as a spouse, mm -hmm. um, even as a parent, you don't need to 
fix every problem for your child. In fact, I think we're doing them a great disservice when we do that, when we step in and try to be the savior. They have a savior. Mm. <laughs> um, they And we allow God to do his work in their lives, just as we allow God to do his work in our spouse's life. We just get to be, be there. We just get to listen. And somehow I think that takes a huge weight off our shoulders and allows us to just sit in the room with people who are hurting deeply or have experienced trauma deeply. Um, because we don't feel there's no pressure. We just get to listen. I so love that. Um, I, I think that we put so much pressure on ourselves. You're right, Christy. Um, I know one of the things that took a lot of the, when I, a lot of, one of the things that I went through that took a lot of the pressure off of me is there was, I have two boys, obviously. And, um, I did put a lot of pressure on myself, especially when they're really young, because you just want to crawl in their minds and fix whatever's going on. Especially when you have tiny children in diapers. I remember so many times my child was crying. And of, of course, it's the one time that I'm like, I'm going to let them push through this cry and see if they can fall asleep. And of course, the one time that you do that is the time they have a blowout. Right. And then you're <laughs> like, I'm a horrible parent. I should have been in here 10 minutes ago. If I only would have known that that's exactly what you needed, if I could have crawled in your mind and known exactly what you were struggling with, then I could fix it. And I think one day I realized that that's not my role and it's never going to be my role. And to a certain extent, I am their mother, um, but I'm not their spouse. And there is a certain part of their mind that is going to be reserved and their soul even is going to be reserved for their spouse someday, and especially for God. Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. for me to want to claim that spot as mom, for Mm -hmm. me to want to know the inner workings of their heart and their soul and their mind so that I feel like I'm a better mom, that that is not the role that God has given me and that it's okay for me to not know it all or not be able to fix it all and trust that um, hopefully one day when my kids are are married that I'll be able to have a better relationship with their spouse because they get a section they get a part of my child that I was never intended to have and that takes a little bit of pressure off of me I think as a mom girl that is powerful like that perspective like I literally have tears in my eyes because it's that open-handed parenting um where you realize you've been given your child to, to nurture and to, um, guide. And, you know, there's rough edges that are, it's our job to, to, you know, sand off over Mm -hmm. time, but we, they're not ours. They're ours for a time and a Mm -hmm. season. Um, but that is, what feels, I think, especially for moms that feels so hard to, mm-hmm. to think that they're going to be, they're not all ours. Um, but how freeing that is. <laughs> it is you know, like, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, I'm literally emotional. <laughs> it doesn't, um, it doesn't all begin and end with us and the pressure that takes off our shoulders. I think especially today, millennials, um, this generation of helicopter parents where we literally um, are, you know, it's as if we are we are the, uh, the principal mm-hmm. <laughs> over our child's lives. Like we are, everything um, falls on our, on our shoulders and I, you see the depression and the anxiety in young moms, especially today. It is, 
astronomical the numbers and i think it's it, it can comes back to this this is the heart of the issue we think it begins and ends with us and it doesn't Corey, i got tears literally she's dripping tears on my clothes i'm getting soaked over here sorry um you said, i was leaning <laughs> over talking into the microphone no you were um i think it's so powerful and one of the things that i say is talking about proverbs 22 6 we we um we have a, a, a resource called 226 Parenting, and basically it's just a community of parents, um, community of parents that journey together to, to raise kids who love God and love others well. But in that in that passage, you know, a lot of times, uh, if you're not familiar with that verse, it says, to, you've probably heard it before, it says, raise a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. Mm. Well, a lot of times that verse gets thrown around um, uh, not, not uh, correctly, uh, we tend to think of it as a promise that if we raise our kids, you know, in the way of the Lord, then then they're going to walk in the way of the Lord. And the reality is, is it's not a promise. It's a proverb. Um, a proverb is basically saying, uh, generally speaking, if you do this, then this will likely happen. Um, it's not a cause and effect. Like if you do this, then this will actually happen. It's, it's likely to. And so, um, but the reality is there is that a lot of times when we are the end all be all to our kids, we either walk in complete shame because mm-hmm. when our kids aren't doing well, we think we're the problem. Mm-hmm. Or on the other end of the spectrum, we walk in complete pride because when our kids are doing well, we give ourselves the pat on the, bat and sit, pat on mm-hmm. the back and say, look at what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is you're not that bad and you're also not that good. <laughs> and, and we and all when, do that, don't we? It's we, really so we sad if we that. all point to ourselves and say it's all about us and our good parenting. Yep. Well, and that's why, you know, I want to be able to answer a question here, too, that you brought up is that whole journey, the walking, the middle road is walking in humility. Mm-hmm. It's realizing that we're not that good. And it's also realizing that we're not that bad. Mm-hmm. And I think that takes that that helps us in a lot of ways because it gets rid of the shame. It gets rid of the guilt, which I think a lot of us land on that side, especially moms, I see. Um, but what it does is it helps us because in the military, for instance, you know, with with the constant moving around and our kids going to from school to school and trying to find a place to land that's safe and you know do I you know do I have friends that are safe and I'm trying to navigate constantly making new friends and that type of thing I think what's really powerful is is being able as adults as parents to be able to to put because we aren't the end all be all it's important that we find other mentors and other people, whether it's an uncle or an aunt or whether it's a grandparent or whether it's other people in the military who um, uh, who we know, other military families that we get to know who, who, who are speaking and living the same values as us to be able to expose our kids to those people, whether it's a coach, whether it's a pastor, uh, whatever it is, to be able to surround the people, our kids with the people speaking the same values that we are into their lives. It, it's, it's huge for kids. It's so, it's so important. And that's one of the top, well, one of the top issues that I hear from, especially military families who are moving around a lot is the lack of, I mean, we have lots of instability, obviously moving and, and, schools and everything but one of the deeper concerns that we have is that we don't have a consistent church home that Mm -hmm. we are constantly moving away from those people that we you know we find secure and find those common values and then have to jump in and find those people very quickly again 
And so I hear from a lot of people, and I know this is something that we've struggled with as well, is that um, this is a nomadic lifestyle where you don't have a church home. You don't have that small group that you grow up with and do life with. And it's like you do life with somebody for about a year and then you move and you got to figure out how to do life with somebody else and establish that trust really quickly. And so one of the things that's been on my mind that I wanted to ask you guys about it, because of the way you talk about the importance of the home life and the marriage on our role as parents is I'm wondering if um, when you don't have that church home and that church family, especially in transition, um, how important we are to be the church to our kids and provide that level of consistency for them. Yeah, I think it's I think it's critical. Um, the reason I think it's critical is because our kids really become who we are. And again, it goes back to that safety piece. Our kids will smell out fake in a minute. They're not mm -hmm. dumb. And so if we're saying one thing about who we are, um, but we're not living that, um, you know, our kids will smell that out. And then what it does is it, it just becomes a disservice to what we say that we believe. And so, um, and, and I don't want to speak harshly about that. It's just the reality. I think sometimes, I think it's just good to be honest, like to say, you know what, like I'm not a perfect, I'm not perfect walking my faith perfectly every single day. Um, which is where forgiveness comes in and our ability to look at our kids and say, man, I messed up today. I'm sorry. Like I, I, I really messed up. And so, um, again, that's that walking in humility piece. And I think that if we as parents can do that, that, and that's where we, that's one of the reasons we built 22, six parenting is because it's what we needed. We needed something to be able to help instill faith in our kids on an ongoing basis because we are busy. We have a lot vying for our attention every single day. And, and if we don't, you know, if we don't capitalize on the moments that we do have, um, you know, it, it gets difficult because it's just it's just life. Life is busy. Um, in fact, that was the single biggest struggle that we found. With, uh, we did a survey of over 700 parents today. And the single biggest parenting struggle that parents have today that they reported to us was that they're too busy and don't mm -hmm. have time. And so, um, you know. And can I say something, too? Can I interrupt you? Yeah, yeah I have one other thought. Oh, on okay, that, though. you say your thought. Let me say, say my, thought. let me say my last thought on that. The, and, and the reason I so, so I, I will also say this, that. I think we have to get our mindset from a faith perspective out of um, lowercase c church and into capital C church, meaning we don't have to think about a church building, um, but but we think about the church as a whole and and believers as a whole, um, really, no matter your faith background. So 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 the idea would be that um, because I even know for us, you know, we have a church home and I, and I champion the local church. I really do. But we also grow in a community of people who aren't a part of a specific church, uh, a, like a church with four walls. And so I don't think we, ha I think it's a good meant uh, like a shift to say, you know, we might not, especially with military families moving around all the time to take the pressure off to feel mm -hmm. like, Oh my goodness, we're not going to a church with four walls sometimes the most healthy quote unquote churches we've been a part of have been groups of people who have helped us grow in our faith that there is no formal organized quote unquote church around it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, and I, I totally agree. And I think I mean, we, we do not live um, the military lifestyle in this, in the same sense, except, I mean, I've, I counted the other day, I've, you know, in the last 15 years I've moved 10 times 
And so I understand a, a, a teeny bit just that the, the transition that's required and how it, it's just, you know, you, you get, you find a friend, which is like dating, but it's worse. And, you know, uh, you find a mom friend or you find a friend for your child or you find, you know, a couple friend and you find a church that fits you and then you're gone again and you're starting all over again. And what all I will say is there is definitely the challenges you guys experience on a daily basis. Like, you know this well, but I think it's also a gift. I've, be, I've learned mm -hmm. to see it's a gift for us and it's a gift for our children in a lot of ways. First of all, I think... It allows us to encounter the body of Christ again and again and again. Mm -hmm. I think there are things that we can learn and glean. Like we get to be exposed to all these groups of people throughout our lives that people who have, you know, born and raised, um, they just don't, they don't experience that. They don't experience, there are things that we can glean. Um, and I think we're supposed to learn from and also people absorb from us, you know, in these different situations. Um, which is so beautiful. And I, I just think it rounds us out as people. So I think that is such a gift for us and our kids. But also, if we can be that emotional safety for our kids, like in our own home, they know they are, they, they are given a foundation. They are established. And we pick up and move. Everything around them changes. Yes. But so what they're learning is comfort they're learning stability. It doesn't come from even our connections. It doesn't come from our our stable school and our stable, um, you know, neighborhood. And, and like we're not part of, you know, maybe clubs and teams because we, we pick up and we go and we're not able to be, you know, plug into those things. But I think what's so beautiful is that these kids are growing up recognizing that their establishment it, it's it's first in the Lord. It's second in who they are, in whose they are. Um, and that it comes like our family, we are solid and established and we can be placed anywhere in the world. And you are still who you are. You are still whose you are. And I, I because all the other stuff, if we're honest, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, those are the things I think we just put to support ourselves to make us feel good. Um, and if, if we were to take those things away from the average person, there wouldn't be a lot left. I think we often, you know, we just support ourselves up and, you know, hold ourselves up by all these outside relationships and institutions that we, we start to incorporate into our, um, who we are as if this is, you know, something who we are. And we're so so different than that. And I just think for military families, especially what a gift and what a, Oh, like a sense of self you're giving to your children. That's not tied to these extraneous factors um, that, are, I mean, they will fall away. Um, but it's built on something so much deeper. Thank, first of all, thank you for that. And I absolutely agree with you. I'm smiling. You know, I know, mm -hmm. Chrissy, you were crying a minute ago. And I'm, <laughs> I'm like wanting to jump up and down for joy in, in several ways myself, just hearing that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm smiling because in our last location, it was far more challenging for our kids in a different way than it is where we are right now. We were actually in Charlottesville in the middle of all the riots. And wow. um, it was a really interesting assignment because a lot of the tension in the community was trickling down into the schools. And there was a lot mm -hmm. of bullying and there was a lot of tension there as well. 
And, you know, I remember my 10-year-old, the same one that I was struggling with, um, that's just really had a hard time moving from place to place. Um, when we were in Charlottesville, he, he, when you were saying that, I was smiling because he came down the stairs with a shoebox with just like three things in it. And, mm -hmm. and he was leaving. And he had this very serious look on his face. And it was so hard for me to not laugh. I actually think I did laugh because he said, to, <laughs> he actually said, I said, where are you going? And he said, I'm going to go find myself. And I said, well, where are you hoping to find yourself? You know? and, and he was like, uh, I'm just going to go until I do. And I'm like, honey, you are where you are. You are who you are. You're not going to find yourself somewhere outside of this house. You're who God created you to be. And mm. it's not about you going and finding who you are. You are, you know, you can, and if you need to sit on the steps outside, I'll make you a sandwich, you know, but, <laughs> but you're not going to go find yourself in, at nine o'clock at night, you know? Um, but, this, but the same, you know, he's also the same kid that, you know, really, you know, we see, and this is one of the, the final questions I have for you guys. Um, let me just kind of share this, you know, I'll be personal and be vulnerable. And that's what I love about your podcast as well, by the way, you guys are very authentic, um, very mm -hmm. showing how, very much showing how marriage and parenting isn't perfect. And we all real literally are in this together. And that's why I love your community as well, because you really do get to experience across cultural boundaries. When we talk about military first responder culture and community, that you can reach across those lines and find that common ground with other parents and really get the support and guidance that you need. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when we moved here after everything that we went through in Charlottesville, you know, my 10 year old, same kid has always had these beautiful surfer curls, long locks. Mm. And um, through the bullying that he went through, when he got here, he chopped it all off. First time he had ever had short hair. We cried through the whole thing. Aww. Chopped off his hair and decided to go by his middle name. And he wanted to completely start over. Um, wow. And that was, you know, we wanted to definitely follow what what made him feel emotionally safe and whatever, mm -hmm. you know, that you aren't the locks that you've always had that right. have made us in our mind think of who Jackson is. Um, but we did, and it's been a couple months since he's, you know, been going through this and slowly, I think he's starting to realize that he's still the same person that he, mm -hmm. he, he didn't have to find himself as he followed himself here. <laughs> he, mm -hmm. You can't lose who you are. And I think that a lot of um, parents out there with military kids, when I asked online on my Facebook page, I said, what is it that you guys struggle with in parenting? Um, one of the big questions that, that really comes up is this issue and this topic of how do I champion, how do I advocate for my child? And so when you guys are talking about be, providing that emotional safety, but at the same time, not helicopter parenting, not doing everything yeah. and feeling like you're there to fix it all, mm -hmm. I think there is, um, and this is that last big question that might take you guys a minute to answer, because it is a big question. But I think as parents, we're always trying to find this balance of where do I advocate and where do I take a step back? And maybe there's no clear way to answer this. Um, but especially when we have kids that are going into these school systems and military kids in, in specific, and, and I know first responders that are listening, I know I'm rambling a little bit here, but I don't want to forget the fact that I know that a lot of our first responder kids are struggling as well because they're getting targeted in school. And a lot of our first responders mm -hmm. are hiding the fact that they're first responder families so that your kids don't get targeted. And so I know that there is a lot of stress that your kids are going through in their own way too. And there's a need and a, a a pressure to feel how do I advocate best for my child and on the military mm -hmm. side 
um, our kids tend to be very intense because they have a short amount of time to establish connections, a short amount of time to find those friendships where they can feel emotional safety, at least in their school and in their peer groups. Mm-hmm. And so we hear from a lot of families um, that we get a, a civilian response that this is, wow, this is a lot. You know, your kid is mm-hmm. very intense. Like they're coming in very quick and we're not used to that. And mm-hmm. they, we kind of get a little bit of a pushback of, we're not ready to include you yet. We're not ready to have these conversations. Whereas the kids are coming in, some of them have, some of those that are younger have um, sometimes temper tantrums um, because they're dealing with the adjustment and because they're trying to establish that safety and security very quickly. Um, And so trying to advocate as a parent, communicating to teachers, communicating to the school, communicating to those life groups that um, this we are this family and this is what's happening with us right now. And this is kind of what my child needs. So what kind of guidance could you give um, those parents that are really trying to walk that balance of advocating for their child and establish that emotional safety? Um, What would you say to encourage them? Hmm. Can I say one thing? Sure. What I hear, I'll let Josh maybe answer that particular question, but what I hear in in, in your description, what you just said about um, military kids, just as an encouragement to the parents out there, what I hear is incredible leaders. Mm-hmm. I hear incredible adults. I hear these are the kids who will grow into the adults that will change the world. They will lead the world. And I, they may have a hard time fitting in right now. Um, they may have a hard time adjusting to a world that values comfort and ease. Um, and I would just, I would just encourage you, your kids are being formed and fashioned for more than that they are going to be used in ways you cannot imagine. And you, if you can parent with the end in mind, um, and I say this, like we are literally about to get off this podcast and go meet with a principal at a school for our son who will be the third school in a year for him um, because we uh, had a really unfortunate incident happen at his at a school that caused a great deal of um fear in him and obviously for us as parents it was it was really hard to walk um but what we've learned through it also is that um just as we mentioned before our our goal is not to protect them from the heart of the world it is to i think steward and shepherd them through it and so Um, There are certain things where we do need to step up and advocate because if things are unsafe, that is, that is, that's important. If you feel, um, I think the one of the, uh, for me as a, as a person, I'm a believer in Jesus. Um, If you have a faith, um, if you are exploring faith, I would just encourage you go before the God of the universe, the one that created your child to begin with and pray for the discernment and the wisdom to know how he created that child, Mm -hmm. because they are, they are all so uniquely made and gifted and different. There will be protections, I think, over each of them that we will feel just in our bones. Um, You need to stand up 
and say, like, I draw a line. There is a boundary here. I'm, I will protect my child or advocate for my child in, in this regard. Or there will be times when it's like, they need to feel this. They need to walk this. They need to feel that fear and insecurity, um, that confusion, because that's the road. I mean, that's, that's the finished work of, of sculpture that, that, that needs to be formed in the end. Okay. Now I'm crying, dropping <laughs> tears. Um... <laughs> <laughs> and I, I would say this too, you know, um, I heard, I'll go back to what Christy said. I think, I think it's the long game and the, and, and the short game. We tend to focus so much on the short game. We tend to focus so much on, man, my child's not fitting in. My child is too much. And, and, and therefore we take that personally and we say, man, um, you know, now all of a sudden my child isn't going to turn out great because we're not doing this well. Um, and the reality is, is as I mentioned earlier, parenting doesn't happen overnight. Parenting is we're in this for the long game. We're, we're just like you, just like us as adults, we are, we are still growing. <laughs> we have a lot of rough edges that I know I have a lot of rough edges that are still being ironed out and smoothed out. And, and I think that that's the journey we need to continue to realize with our kids. And so keeping that end game in mind. And I, I spoke at a parenting summit this past weekend and there was a speaker there. Her name is Lisa Turkhurst. She gave this um, incredible example. Um, and I loved this. I thought it was so powerful that um, she said, when you go to the grocery store, um, what you do is let's say we're baking a cake, right? We're baking a cake. And when you, you go to the grocery store to get the ingredients for that cake, you'll get flour, you'll get sugar, you'll get, um, eggs, you'll get butter, you'll get icing. And when you bring those things home, if we were looking at it in the short game, we might try one of those ingredients. We're going to try each individual ingredient to determine if we want to put it in the cake, if, if, if it's going to be part of, of the cake story, if you will, of the child's story. And so we, get, we, we pick up the flour and we try the flour. And we're like, ooh, no, that's disgusting. We're not going to put the flour in the cake. But then we pick up the sugar and we're like, wow, this is amazing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat that sugar. We're going to put that in the cake. Um, and then you take the butter and you're like, oh, this is pretty good. We're going to put that in. And then you take the icing and you're like, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. And then you get the eggs and you eat the eggs and, and you're like, yeah, they're not really that good. So we're going to we're going to take them out. But without the flour and without the eggs, that cake will not be a cake. That mm -hmm. cake will not be in its perfect form uh, to be able to eat and enjoy without those rough ingredients. And I think where Christy was talking about with military families and with military kids, the thing that I love um, and I think you guys need to really continue to champion is that your kids are experiencing the flour and the eggs earlier than li in mm -hmm. life mm -hmm. than those of us who are living, not moving around. And, you know, just some kids don't get to experience. I mean, I, I've taught college students for, for, for the last 15 plus years. And a lot of times I'll find college students who go to college, they leave their home and their faith is not their faith. Their faith is still their parents' faith because they've never really hit any struggles in life. Mm -hmm. And I just want to say, man, those struggles, those flower experiences, those egg experiences are so critical for our kids to become emotionally, to become leaders as, as exactly as Christy was talking about, to become leaders. And so, man, embrace the eggs, embrace the flower don't look at it as being, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm doing horribly as a parent. Um, you know, 
don't be afraid to be the quote unquote helicopter at times and go to other families and say, you know what, we are a military family. Here are some things. If my son or daughter is coming on a little bit strong, this is why um, we just ask maybe for a little bit of grace in this. You know, I'm, I'm not, you know, you know, mm-hmm. just being able to champion our kids. And I think um, the second piece of that is championing them within the house. Um, last night for me, we've been championing our sons. I'm, I'm an athlete. I, I love baseball. I love wrestling, but our son is into piano and into singing and playing the guitar. And man, I'm, it's been a struggle for me because I love sports and, and he might end up picking up sports. I don't know, but man, right now I want to champion music in him because this kid's got a beat to him. He's got rhythm <laughs> and he's, he's, he's doing so good in it. And if I don't champion that in him, somebody else will come alongside him and champion what he loves and he'll come attached to them and, and more than he will me. And man, I don't want to work. I don't even want to know who he's attaching himself to that might instill different values in him. And so, um, and so that's just what I would really, you know, last night was another great example. He had his construction paper all over his closet floor of his bedroom and the 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 um the cleaning guy in me wants to be like dude you got to pick all this stuff up you can't just have construction paper it needs to go in the art cart you know and then i stopped myself and i was like you know what he's being creative in this closet and i'm gonna i I need to be okay that that closet is a mess for him to be creative Mm. you know and so i think sometimes we just need to step outside of our own little worlds our own what we you know proverbs 26 says to raise a child the way they should go not the way we want them to go and so I would just really encourage that to just really step into the hearts of our kids. Well, Josh and Christy, thank you so much for not only your time today, but thank you for establishing the community that you have established and lead out on. Um, Those that are listening, um, I highly suggest their podcast in this together. Um, their 22-6 parenting um, group, and there's so there's curriculum that goes along with that. It'll walk you through um, devotionals that you can have with your kids, conversations you can have with your kids, and of course, Josh's book, Safe House, on building that emotional safety as well in your home. Thank you guys so much for everything that you're doing and for spending this time with us that I know is meaningful to me and I know is going to be meaningful to a lot of other people. So thank you. Corey, you're so welcome. And I, I'm just going to say this, and this is literally not a sales pitch like in the least, but just for those families, we created 22.6 for the families just like you, where you can't find community uh, where you mm-hmm. are uh, when you're relocating. And I just say that I don't even, it doesn't have to be 22.6, but We saw that that is such an issue just in our transient lifestyle. I mean, we work with a lot of authors and speakers, um, recording artists, like people who they're they're gone a lot. They travel for a living. It's part of how they lead. Um, And it's just hard to find community. And so that's really honest to goodness why we created it is because we needed it. And um, cause we travel quite a bit and, um, I just say that just to encourage you, it doesn't have to be 22, six at all. Fine. But find it. There are online. That's one of the great things with, um, the internet <laughs> that you can find community, um, wherever you are. So I just yeah. encourage you get, get plugged in wherever you can. 
And just as that's a great reminder that um, we tend in our community of military and first responders to think that we are the only community <laughs> and that everybody should know that we exist. And that that's just a reminder that there are so many other people that we could be reaching out to and finding that community in. And it doesn't necessarily have to be in our own bubble. But there are a lot yeah. of people out there that want to understand that are going through very similar things that we're going through and that our story might be meaningful to someone else and someone else's story might be meaningful to us. So thank you, Josh and Christy, so much for your time today. Thanks. You're very welcome. Thank you for having us. <laughs>